You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Elisa. What's going on? Well, we're recording on a hot summer day. I, I know you guys are kind of uh, <laughs> dying your, your here. Computer, your computer, your computers are like, really? Do I have to? Dying here is what you're trying to say because yeah. the humidity is about eighty percent right now. We just had some. Meanwhile, rain. I'm in the dry, dry, hot desert. Yeah. Let's see what do we got here today? Oh, it's only a hundred degrees. Well, it's only. seventy-six right now. I think the rain has finished, but the humidity is off the charts. We're supposed to hit ninety-five on Wednesday. Mm, yuck it's gonna be hot i mean meanwhile out here we we get so excited when the rain comes we're like yay i i i'm at that age where i look out at my yard i'm like drink up drink up yeah our lawn was pretty brown so apologies in advance for fan noises or the oh the wind i just feel a breeze (laughs) (laughs) so if you hear that noise sorry Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, exactly. Computers have to keep cool too. Yeah. But before we bring in our special guest, we just want to do have a special a, guest. We today. do. I just uh, want to do a little follow up on our Mint Mobile uh, situation, leaving the Death Stars our, yeah. our last episode with our with our copious rants and raves. So when last we spoke, I had gotten Child One and Three onto Mint Mobile. Then on July 7th, I got child two, which was interesting because he was in Virginia and I'm in <laughs> New York and he's on the phone with AT&T and I'm on the phone with Mint and then we're having a FaceTime conversation and he's holding his, oh my goodness. He's holding, holding his phone up so that, oh my goodness. to the computer <laughs> so I can say to the person AT&T, yes, I authorize you to talk to him you know, and try to get everything. <laughs> so that took maybe about an hour to get that situated. Then, while he was on the phone, he also said to them, could you please take this security off of my mom and dad's phones because they're going to be switching next week? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no problem. I said, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, then... Oh, is that because the account is in his name and he has to authorize it? No, the account's in my name. But oh, rather okay. than have to call back because I had to do this right. every single time. So right. then on Monday... I did my phone, and once again, oh, you can't get through the security. And I'm like, oh, so I call Mint Mobile, and then they do a three-way call with AT&T. And thankfully, this man I talked to had a clue, and he goes, okay, I took everything off. You should be good now. You have another number on here. Do you want me to take it off of the, the security off of that, too? I'm like, yes, I'm going to be changing. That's my husband's number. I'm changing him over tomorrow. No problem. So mine took about half an hour to switch over. So then on the next night, on Tuesday night, I take my husband's phone, five minutes. Because there was no issue with the security. I just ported his number over. We waited, we waited, we waited. And then it was done. Now, let me ask you, did you, how did you get the pin? Did you text, I think, is it, is it star or asterisk on the, on the keypad? Is it asterisk? P-O-R-T? No, it's star... Well, I don't know if that's what it spells, but it's star 7678. I think it's port, yeah. Okay, and that yeah. makes a phone call. 
And then okay. you have to go through their phone tree for a little bit because it asked you. This is AT&T. I can't oh, say. Because when I did it, it did a text message. Well, you have to go through the phone tree first. And it says, oh. is this, yeah, yeah, are yeah, you yeah, requesting right, right. a new PIN right. or do you are canceling an old one or do you need a new one? So you go through the little phone tree and you type in the numbers and then it sends you a text with a six-digit code. And Mint Mobile will ask you, and I'm sure other companies do PIN, too. Right. And the problem with AT&T is they're supposed to send you a second text with four-digit code that says, yeah. hey, you just asked me for a PIN. Are you sure right. you really did? And if you did, respond with this four-digit code. They never did in any of the mm-hmm. five cases, which is that's what's mm. called the, the fraud protection. Right, right. Now, the next mm. – but so we've got Mint Mobile so far, Knockwood. Everybody's happy. Everything is working well. Uh, actually, we all kept our, our voicemail. We didn't, none of us lost our voicemail. Nice. Which we were yeah, told I we might lose it. I didn't it. either, actually. I yeah. didn't either. I did have my husband go in and because there was like some voicemails from his father from a long time ago. And he had already saved him, but I just made sure, doubly sure right. that he wasn't going to lose those. So I had him go through and, you know, we talked about in the last episode to tap the share icon and, you know, I had him save it. I actually have a folder and you might want to do this too in iCloud called or Dropbox or whatever, whatever you choose to use. But I have a folder called voicemail. And any important voicemails that I want to save, that's that's where they go. Um, I've learned from this process that I shouldn't let it get that far. <laughs> I just had so many voicemails and it was taking me forever to go through that process. I ended up being able to keep them when I when I changed mine over too. So yeah, everything was was really smooth when I switched mine over. There was just a couple of little hiccups, but it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like I think I had to... I think I had to go in and make sure that in my iCloud something was checked or something got unchecked that needed to be rechecked, like in the phone. You know, you just have to kind of dig through the settings and make sure. The thing that I guess was different with me is I think you were using the traditional SIM card kit, right? Yes. Whereas with mine, I was using the eSIM, which I regret not doing that for my son's because out of all of our phones, we only have mine and my son's phones because he has an iPhone SE. I regret not ordering the eSIM for his. I guess I, I did it. I know why I did it. I know why, why I made the, the choices that I did. But looking back on it, I would make different choices. Originally, I made that choice because I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And I guess I wanted to have those SIM cards, those physical SIM cards in case something went horribly wrong. So that's why I did that. But now I, I wished I would have just seeing how smooth it went with an eSIM. I wished I would have done the eSIM for my son, but you know. So now we have all the the we have the cards here. Now it's just a matter of timing. I'm I'm trying to get time in between everything else to like sit down with each family member and say, okay, give me your phone. We're gonna have to do this thing. It's gonna be you know a little while till you can use it. There's that's the hardest part now is just trying to find that time. With my youngest son, he had been on track phone and. You know, he's only 12, so and, and it's been the pandemic, so all this time he has not needed a phone. But now with them going back to school and there's going to start to be more activities, he's going to be, we're starting to run into situations where he's going to be separated from us and we need, you know, something. He wants to take a walk. And so he's really happy. And that that process couldn't have been easier. I mean, that was really, really amazing just being able to kind of start fresh because his phone number wasn't really out there like ours are. Right. So it wasn't as important to keep that phone number. So I got him a new phone number. The only hiccup that I had, and you know, this is not a hiccup that most other people would have, but because it was a child's phone a while ago, and because he was on a track phone where we had to be incredibly conservative with the data because he only had like a gig. 
you know, it's just such a small amount for a little kid. I mean, he plays Pokemon Go one time and it's gone. You know what I mean? It's just like those kinds of games just take up a lot of data. So I had it set where I had all of the cellular switches turned off because he wasn't even using the cellular part of the, the data for that with that small amount of data. So that was where I had to realize when visual voicemail wasn't working. So it was either that switch that needed to be turned on. I'm pretty sure that it that it was. But just in case it wasn't, the other thing that I think might have helped was I went into settings and I chose reset network settings. I just had to re-enter yeah. the Wi-Fi password. But that could have contributed to it, you know, helping it kind of get going mm-hmm. again. Because yeah. we we were calling and leaving in messages and they weren't coming through. But then once I did those two things, then it worked completely flawlessly. And had I known that, if I had thought of that, I mean, I knew it, but had I thought of it at the time, it would have been a completely flawless process. So now I have uh, three, I have three lines left to do. And again, like I have the SIM card sitting here for two of them. The other one's going to be a situation with you where it's going to be like my dad It's out in Pennsylvania. So it's going to be across the country kind of a thing. Yeah. And that'll be interesting. But I wanted to go through the process first and then I could say, okay, dad, here's what's going to happen. Here's what to expect. You know, this is what they're going to ask for. Here's what it looks like. I can send them pictures. Watch this video, dad. Here's how you get the SIM card out. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll, it'll work out. But, you know, I'm nervous about the stuff like I already took off the you know, the fraud, um, you, you know, feature. You, you think you did. I, I know. thought exactly. I did I too. Say. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the fly yeah. in the ointment. Right. AT&T. That's, that's what it is with A&T. Their, their practices are not consistent from, I mean, you and I are customers, right? Or you're an ex-customer now. Yay. I'm an ex-customer. <laughs> but, but we've been at this for like 20 years, you know, I mean, we've been customers for so long yet. Our, our experiences are similar in some regards, but then so different in others. There's no consistency their terminology is incredibly confusing and i've i've worked with clients enough to know that they get in they get into trouble and they get so hung up because when they're being asked for a password they're actually at entering a passcode or vice versa when they're being asked for a passcode they're entering a password and those two things are not the same and then there's the whole other like this this additional fraud protection thing too so there's all these different vocabulary terms and unless you've like unless you know unless you work for AT&T I guess yeah it's and just, fraud protection it's hard to know what they are makes it sound like it's a feature or a service yeah. just like spam like we're going to mm-hmm. stop spam getting through to your phone well that's what the fraud protection sounds like it wasn't mm-hmm. until a little bit later that I realized you're talking about that four-digit code mm-hmm. that's not fraud right. protection that's I don't know there's got to be uh, all a different it is word is really it's like a, it's like a, it's not even a two-factor authentication either because it stays the same all the time. But it's just all it really is is a second password. Yeah, and that's really what it is. Because when you log into your account, you have your username, which can be your email address or it could be you know a username up until the at symbol, and then a password. But then if you have fraud protection enabled, it's a passcode, mm-hmm. which at the time when we did it, they only asked for four digits, but I know it can be six or whatever. Mine was eight. Um, uh-huh. I yeah, made mine so, harder, to, harder to crack. Right. And so then that, when they say it's fraud protection, I mean, that was something that I enabled because that's what's supposed to stop scammers because it's so evidently easy for someone to crack into your, you know, to your AT&T account and basically set up 
a cellular plan on your behalf without you knowing it. And that quote unquote fraud protection is supposed to prevent that from happening. But they're using two different terminologies when you're trying to get customer service. So that's what I mean. Like the vernacular is not consistent. There's just a breakdown in communication. And then, you know, just things like the app, you know, the AT&T, it's called My AT&T. It takes forever for it to load. Oh, it certainly does. So does the website, though, if you're using a browser. Yeah. Yeah. Both. It's like, I just want to know how much data I use. I just want to know what the dates are. Like, I just want to know X, Y, Z. And you can't even get that far. And that's what is so refreshing about Mint Mobile. Again, they're not sponsoring us or anything. These are just our experiences. We're not even really endorsing Mint Mobile. It's just that this is what we've decided to go with after all the copious amounts of research the two of us have done and other recommendations. But the one thing I will say about Mint Mobile has been that it is just so straightforward. It's so, everything is communicated so well. And it's even kind of like kitschy, like, you know, Ryan Reynolds is their spokesperson, their spokesperson, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and he, he, owns when I part, read through, he owns part of the company. Yeah, he's like a stakeholder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when I read through a lot of the stuff and they're kind of like funny, they're like, you know, uh, what in the, it looks like, what in the F are we talking about? Yeah, we well, they'll Fox. go, they'll go, yeah, what yeah. the fox? Yeah. Because the fox <laughs> is their, their, their right. icon. And one time right. I heard it went, What? I'm like, oh, he, uh -huh. said, he said Fox. Okay. Right. <laughs> but that's what's, that's what's so tongue-in-cheek and so funny about it because when we're with AT&T, we actually do say the F-bomb. And oh, I yeah. think they get that. I think they get that people are so frustrated with their cellular companies that they just constantly swear all the time. And that's why it's like, oh, yeah, that just that kind of flows. But every time I read the verbiage on the websites and stuff, I picture it being read by Ryan Reynolds, and it kind of makes it that much more funny. But I just appreciate, and I think it, I find it refreshing that when you open up the app, it tells you exactly how much data you used. I mean, yeah, it's all kitschy and there's a cute little fox and a little rocket and all that kind of stuff. And that's fun and all. But but it's just so straightforward. It just seems like every question, just about every question I had, I could find an answer to if I just kind of dug through the FAQs a little bit. Yeah. I just so, found it nice and yeah, straightforward. So before we bring in our guest, one quick thing about AT&T for the final time is that Again, I can't speak to Verizon or T-Mobile or any other company, but with AT&T, they bill you ahead of time. So my bill ends on the 9th of the month. I go from the 10th to the following month, 9th. And, I and changed, I'm about the same, about off a day. Yeah. And I changed my phone on the 11th. My husband's on the 12th. I got the a one bill. One day, two yeah, days after. Yep. So I got a bill. Well, actually, I never got a bill. I went mm -hmm. in to AT&T and finally found the bill that they never emailed me because, you know, I do everything, mm -hmm. uh, you know, paperless. And they did not credit me for the kids who were finished before the end of the term. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let that go. Don't care. But what they wanted to do for us is they were charging me $150. And at first I thought, okay, if that's for the month prior, fine. I'll right, pay you use the service. Yeah, I'll pay what I owe if I've already used it. That's no problem. I looked at the bill and it was for the month ahead. And I looked at that and said, E no. So I divided pay for a whole month. I divided by thirty and I said, Okay, that's five dollars a month. We use it to uh, five dollars a day. We used a total of five days. I'll pay twenty five dollars because mm -hmm. I'm more than happy to pay for what I used. So mm -hmm. I called them last week and I said I got lucky that I got a really nice person and I said, here's the deal. And I explained everything. And I said, I'm more than happy to pay up $25 pro rate what I, for that, what I've used, but I'm not paying 
for what I did not use. And he goes, okay. And he looks at it and he goes, I'm going to credit you the entire month. Wow. And it took a little bit of time. And he's like, I'm still here. I'm like, no problem. I said, listen, I'm happy to pay for what we used. He, no, 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 no. I'm going to credit. And it took about eight hours or so before it was reflected on the bill. Wow. But I kept going back, going back, going back. I took screenshots Mm -hmm. of it. Right. Yep. Take your screenshots. But he gave me me his name. He gave me his employee ID number. And he goes, don't worry, you're not going to have any problems. Nice. And so he canceled the bill. So that's the tip is make sure that if you are canceling your service with your cell phone provider that you pay ahead of time, Mm -hmm. make sure that you get your credit, that you are not paying. You know, if if you're halfway through the month, you should only pay halfway through the month. You should not be paying for those days that you're not using. It's too damn expensive. Right, right. Then you're like kind of double dipping in your wallet, basically. I mean, I timed it just right and I actually didn't plan for it, but it worked out where I canceled my line two days before the billing cycle started over again. So I lucked out. I was like, you know, two days that I didn't have service. I just like you, I just let it go. But now I'm in a situation where, you know, things took longer than I thought they would. There was a holiday in there and stuff. And, you know, there's just now now we're just kind of sitting here. It's like, well, if they're going to charge me, I might as well just use the rest of our, our data plan. Because that's the thing, too, is the the activation for Mint Mobile doesn't start until you activate it. Like, then that's when the clock starts. That's right. to my understanding. I yes. believe that that's – and they give you a grace period. Like, like I've already ordered it so that we could get the sale. So, it's already paid for. They already got their money. They're happy, right? But then – because they, you know, they give you 45 days and they explained it that you should activate it within 45 days because the SIM will expire. You know, they've, they can only like bank those, those numbers, I guess, for a period of time before they expire, which, you know, whatever that, that makes sense, but we'll, we'll definitely activate within that 45 days, but it's like, we're already like a week or two into it. Plus I still haven't ordered it for my dad yet because I wanted to kick the tires on it. I wanted to make sure before I go and put my father through this, you know what I mean? Because it could be potentially hairy. I wanted to make sure that we were really comfortable with it. Plus, too, like we went out and so far, knock on wood, I've had service everywhere we've gone. We went to a restaurant for our anniversary last night, and that was the first time that I saw that I did not have service. There was and there was like Wi-Fi nearby. So, you know, that was OK. But it was like, all right, I can live without it. I, I, ju- I just have to move to a different area or something. But that but happens other than with that, every service. Had, There's going to be yeah, places exactly. where AT&T doesn't work, places where Verizon doesn't work. It just is. And that's OK. Exactly. What you don't right. want is it doesn't work more than it does. Right, exactly. And so and you far, don't want to yeah, so far I've had no problems. And as far as I know, because I keep asking my kids and my husband, they've all said, yeah, we've been fine. Mm-hmm. Because once our three months is up, we need to decide, are we going to continue right. and commit for the year or are we going to go elsewhere? And so far, it looks like we will commit for the year right. as right. of right now. I guess that's what makes me nervous about my my dad's situation is because I told him, you know, this is how much more money, you know, this is how much money you're going to save by going with this. But for him, because he doesn't care about the data, like we all wanted the unlimited data so that we can see just how much we're going to be using over the next three months to help. And and I think that's very smart that they did that because then it informs us we can make, which I love, we can make an informed choice. I mean, what a concept, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, what a concept being, being able to make an informed decision about something. So this will help inform us. And then we can choose which plan we're going to go with that we're going to commit to for the, the whole entire year. You know, it's not necessarily a contract. 
And there's, you know, different different choices for everybody. You don't have to lock yourself in unless you want to save money. Then you have to lock yourself in. That's just the way it works everywhere. Right. Um, but but in the case of my dad, you know, I want I really want to make sure we're sure about this before I say, all right, dad, you're going to pony up for a whole year's worth of service that you haven't really gotten to try yet. That makes me a little bit nervous because, yeah. he, you know, we didn't get him like the three month kind of trial thing. Because again, you know, he just he doesn't he's he's retired. He's at home. He doesn't go anywhere. So he just doesn't it doesn't warrant a plan like that. Yeah. So it for him, doesn't. four gigs might be more than enough. Yeah. It's probably overkill for his needs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, too, I barely do a gig every year. So or every month. So mm-hmm. I'll be getting the four gigs. That'd be more than enough for me. Mm-hmm. So yep. but for those times when you might need it, then it'll be there. Yeah. So I think that's a really good sized plan. Yeah. So. So enough about that. It's time to bring <laughs> in our special like, you know, guest who's been recording yeah. all this time. And I'm going to be going delete, 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 delete. But <laughs> special guest, say hi. Hello. We have uh, on the tonight, today we are uh, joining us is my son, Shane. We've had him on before. He is a teacher in Virginia. And we just want, he's up visiting for the week. And we thought we would take this opportunity to ask him some questions about education now post-COVID. We talked to him during COVID. Now we want to see if things have changed, gotten better, gotten worse, stayed the same now that we are post-COVID, hopefully permanently post-COVID. Yeah, so he's been on the front lines. And, you know, last time we talked to him about it, that was, you know, kind of a new territory for him to have to to, to wade into appreciate your your service in that. And so, yeah, we wanted to talk about what is it like now? I, I, I don't even like to say post-COVID because I don't feel like I, I think it's still going on, but now we're kind of surviving with it and we have new tactics. So so that's why I wanted to ask you, Shane, you know, I know it's such a broad and general question, but can you can you maybe start off with um, what are some of the things where you kind of had to jump in and, oh, this is a new practice that we have to implement? Like, can you think of like a new practice that that you had to do that was different than what you were doing before? So if you don't mind, I'll start all the way back in March, 2020, when we shut down for the first time. I know a lot of surrounding districts jumped right into virtual, where when we closed in March, 2020, our governor said no more school. Our district didn't do any more school. We did not do virtual. We made some packets for the students that could pick up But typically, the students who don't quite need it as much pick them up, and the students who might need a little bit more instruction didn't pick them up. So it wasn't very effective, but at least it was some sort of way to teach them. And then 2020-2021 school year, we were virtual all the way up until the fourth quarter. And of course, that was a big learning curve because all the teachers had to learn the virtual program that we used called Canvas. And that was a uh, stressful process, learning it. And luckily, our school board gave us, I believe, three weeks after our usual start date so that we could set up our classrooms, our virtual classrooms, and get to learn the program and get acquainted with that. Um, And I just found out a couple weeks ago, I have to relearn this program because my fifth graders We'll have to use this virtual program because the middle school and high school use Canvas, the virtual program, for their classes. So I'm not not looking forward to that particularly because it's another thing on my plate. <laughs> but um, so they adopted this as a 
curriculum almost like as a as a curriculum tool and now they're kind of are they like using you to because you have experience in it they want you to teach that now in addition to the math so even before covid we had this thing called virtual virginia and during covid obviously many many students went that route especially when students went back in person and there were families who you know have some health risks and didn't want their children going to school they chose the virtual Virginia route. And uh, it's a program that's already set up, but there are virtual teachers who drive that instruction. So when we were virtual, we used parts of that program. So when I taught, I used parts of those lessons, but then uploaded my own virtual resources for students to use. So I really don't know how the middle school and high school are using Canvas or Virtual Virginia because I don't really talk with those teachers. I talk with the elementary teachers because I work more closely with my school. So I really don't know what that's going to look like for my fifth graders or for middle school and high schoolers. What my ITL said to me was that we're going to slowly incorporate Canvas with the fifth graders. And then towards the end of this school year, 2022, 2023, I think they'll have to use it more so they're really familiar with it when they get to middle school. What are they using it for? I mean, if they're going in person. I really don't know. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be for at-home work because I do know middle school and high school students, they each are given a Chromebook and they can take that home and they're required to take it to school every day as well. Elementary school, we're not there yet, but we are supposed to be uh, getting one-to-one Chromebook to student this year, which is very exciting. Um, we, ha- we have that in- implemented here. We're almost there. <laughs> it's a long process. Um, we are a smaller district. We don't have quite the funds, you know. Um, but I think that's one positive that has come out of COVID is that we're getting a lot more technology because of different grants and stuff like that. I do know that if we do become one-to-one for elementary school, as of now – they're not going to require the elementary students to take their Chromebook home every day to school every day, which I think is good because the younger they are, yes, it could be a, it could be an issue with could be no, it is stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> there is no could be. It definitely, that's exactly how it works in our school district. The little kids they have Chromebooks, but they stay at school, and yeah. then once they get to middle school, then they take it home with them, and they're expected to do their work on it. So, yeah, well, I guess I'm, if I had to guess, I'm, I'm thinking Canvas is just another tool that they want the kids to know and utilize. And I guess the teachers are going to be expecting. Um, and, and that actually, that yeah, now that you say that, and I'm thinking about yeah. it, that's exactly what they are doing is I'm pretty the sure. teachers are saying, OK, here's a project, here's a poster or here's a you know history timeline. Or I, I'm guessing they could apply it to math, too. But we've decided to do this project. It meets these benchmarks. We want you to provide your answers using the Canvas tool. So that that could be, you know, why they want the kids to to learn it. I'm sure when we have our training in a couple of weeks, yes, I start very early. I start August 1st and the students start August 9th. Um, I'm sure they'll explain why fifth graders need to know it. Um, One good thing that I'm thinking of while you were talking is paperless. It saves Mm -hmm. a lot of paper if they Mm -hmm. upload their project onto Canvas or if Instead of making a photocopy here of the directions, it's right on the computer. And since every student has a computer and we're in a rural district, like I've said many times, internet connection is not very good. 
those students are able to borrow a hot spot okay. um, from our district. At least I know they were the year we were virtual. I'm not sure how that works now, um, if they have lent hot, hot spots out or not. I honestly don't know. Shane, is that similar to, I can't remember what the terminology was, when we were in college? You Blackboard? Were, yes, Blackboard. Same idea, yes, like even when I went back idea. to college where I would upload through the through the portal, upload my work, Correct. my projects, get my class uh, itinerary and so forth. Correct. And how they chose Canvas, I really have no clue. I obviously yeah. had no say in that process. They were just said, you're using Canvas. And I said, okay, let's learn it. <laughs> it probably has to do with the funding. It probably has to do with Absolutely. the cost because there's huge free tier. I, I remember, I'm trying to remember what exactly the problem was, but I remember that I know my oldest son can't stand Canvas and he luckily he uses his IEP and that he won't do his projects in Canvas, even though the teacher would like them to be done, but he does, he'll use, he's very tech savvy. Cause I mean, come on, he's my kid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he, he's found other ways to do things and, and submit it. And the teacher just accepts it because it still meets the requirements. Right. It's just that I guess they want that consistency. They want to be able to log into their Canvas portal and be able to see all the things that were submitted and stuff. But right. I do recall that there was an issue and it, I remember it specifically had to do with the fact that, Oh, I know what it was. The reason why he didn't like Canvas and I supported the reason why is because and and this is something that might you might find useful too and I hope that they have made adjustments to it. But I keep my expectations low sadly because I'm just cynical that way, but I remember because the Chromebooks that the kids have are very small. They're just little notebooks. They're like the size yeah. of an iPad screen. They're very small. And that has always been really, really difficult for them to actually do like school like all day long. I know that that was really, really frustrating. And that's why I allowed my kids to use their Macs because we had old Macs that could do the same things. So they actually didn't use their their Chromebooks when they were doing quote unquote homeschooling, when they were learning at home and doing it remotely because that screen is just so teeny tiny. I mean, I could see if you were traveling or you're on, you know, like say your parents took you on a vacation, but it was an educational one. You had permission and yada, yada, yada. Or if you were homesick or you just had to do it for a small amount of time in a pinch, you know, it's like, it's like doing everything on an iPad. We can do it. A lot of people choose to work on that small form factor and they're fine with it. The problem happens when the interface has not been designed to be utilized on a smaller scale, on a smaller screen real estate area. And that was what I saw my kids run into. My my little one didn't have to use it as much as my big one did, but I saw that happen. I could see why he was so frustrated with it because the way that the interface was structured, and this again, this was you know last year, so hopefully things have changed, but it's something that you could look out for or be on the lookout for. If you're a and this is, and I can't speak for all teachers and maybe teachers are dealing with the same Chromebook, but in in our our experience, that hasn't been the case. The teachers have their dedicated PC at their teacher desk and they have like a 24 inch monitor, you know, 21, 24, something like I, it's rare that you, I mean, 27 is a little like, yeah, we fancy now, you know, like, no, we're not that fancy. Like 21 to 24 inches monitors, usually pretty much standard, but that's still a heck of a lot bigger of a screen than a little tiny Chromebook. And so the teachers are doing all their stuff in Canvas and they're like, oh, you know, you just do this. And I remember watching one of the teachers make a tutorial 
because they had a specific uh, history project they wanted done. And they said, here's an example. Here's how you do it. I want you to create a poster. It's got to have these elements. And she was demonstrating how to do it, but she was using her teacher computer with her teacher screen on her teacher PC. And then when I went to go do it with, and this was my younger son, actually, when I went to go help him with it on the Chromebook, he was so frustrated because the icons were like in the way. Whereas she didn't experience that because it was stretched out on a bigger screen. But then when you go and you shrink that screen size down, it made it really hard to navigate because you go to try to like pick something from the the image picker or something within the interface and there was always something in the way. And so I just saw how that was really frustrating and I could see how a teacher wouldn't, unless they actually use the tools that the students are using, they're not going to see that pain point. They're not going to see that friction because, you know, they're just trying to get by. You know what I mean? They're just saying, okay, you got to do this and you got to get this lesson. All right, here's my tool. I'm going to use my tool and this is what I have in front of me to work with. And then later on you find out, oh, okay, yeah, I see why that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like not everybody has the luxury of plugging in a big ginormous external display. You have what you have and that's it. So that's all to say that I think sometimes there's just this oversight, this lack of oversight rather, where they vet this product and they say, oh, let's use this. It's free and it does these things, but it doesn't do them well. I also think... Obviously, COVID snuck up on us and, you know, everyone was rushing and scrambling and we didn't really know what to use. So my guess is our district and many districts heard of Canvas and thought it was good. And you just don't know until you use it. And with any program, I'm sure there's kinks and stuff that students and teachers had issues with. Um, I remember when I was virtual teaching... I had many different workspace setups because I had the Chromebook that I was doing through Google Meet, and then I had 15 tabs open like every teacher does, and my ITL said that it was shutting down randomly. While I'm teaching, it would just shut down because it was using too much power because the Chromebook is not able to use that. So then I switched my, you know, my workspace setup. So that was a learning curve as well. I watched my husband struggle with that big time. You know, the kids had the Chromebooks and they only had to have, you know, one or two or three tabs open at once. And they are only, you know, supposed to be working with one digital tool at a time. Whereas teachers, I mean, my gosh, you know, watching him, like he had one, like he had an old Chromebook set aside for like maybe just doing attendance things. I mean, there's just so many, it's like you have like a, a stove with all these frying pans on it and they're all going at the same time. And That's this exactly one's what burning and this one's smoking and this one's just, oh, I forgot to turn the burn on and that one, or this one, the burner doesn't even work. You know, it's like, that's what it was like watching my husband struggle with that. A lot of times I was like the IT support at home, you know, running in and like, okay, hold on, let me reboot the router or, you know, here, try this. Or, cause he did, he had to use, uh, you know, the teachers are given HP, some kind of a, a yoga book or something like some kind of a, an HP notebook. So it's not a Chromebook, but they had to um, do some of the things in Chrome because of the certain plugins that they needed right. to use that all teachers were like, Hey, this does a better job of this and it doesn't crash nearly as much use this. But Oh, by the way, this one, you got to use it in Firefox. Like he had to, he right. had to have two different computers going at the same time. And then cause like there was attendance and, you know, just other tasks that you have to do. 
But then also he had to use two different browsers because they both provided different types of services. And yeah, yeah. a lot of it was because it would just like crash. It would just, you know, shut down. So, you know, the teachers are like trying to do the best that they can. And no wonder, you know, it's sad, but it's like, no wonder the kids just like a lot of them bailed. They just didn't want to show up. Cause it's like, why yeah. this I is use, a horrible experience for some of the kids. Yeah. I use two sad. different screens because I would present on one and then the other screen, I could see what I'm presenting and I yeah. could see the students yeah. and I could call them the students and I remember going back to you saying uh, parents were frustrated, students were frustrated. Fifth grade, when we first started virtual, we assigned too much asynchronous work, which was synchronous was live work, asynchronous was um, on your own work. And we didn't know because it was a learning curve for us, too. And we got a lot of complaints. So we quickly toned it back. We're like, we're sorry, we're learning. Mm -hmm. So that was the big thing I stressed with the students and the parents. I'm like, we're all in this together. Yeah. We're all learning this. It's new to all of us. So please be patient with us. We'll be patient with you. Be patient with us because it's it's hard. <laughs> and, par and parents had to find a way to voice their, I will I will use the word complaints. And when, when I ever voiced my complaints about something towards something that was happening in a class, I always wanted to make it very clear that I am not mad at the teacher. This is not your fault. This is not your problem. I would try to research it on my own and say, here's what I think could be done differently or better. And it wasn't like I was like, I'm going to just email the principal and go above the teacher's head. And like, I never wanted to get a teacher in trouble, but I wanted to say like, teachers, not just this teacher are struggling with this thing because this, like for one, one of the things was so simple. It was all the assignments that were getting posted, were getting posted at the wrong times here because yep. nobody told the teachers that you had to go in and change the time zone. It was set yeah. to like whatever the, the developer had it set to instead of our time zone. Of course, everything's funky in Arizona because we don't right. change our clocks. But that was just a simple thing. And then once enough of us said, hey, we found this setting, you know, and I would take screenshots again, drink your Ovaltine, take your screenshots. And I would provide the teachers and the principal like here, I found this thing that, that might make things better. And so they always appreciated that. But I think parents should learn how to voice your complaint so that you're not making it seem like you're mad at the teacher because it's not the teacher's fault. It's like you said, we're all in this together and everybody's learning, including the parents, including the kids, everybody's learning everything. So when you, when you formalize, when you, when you formulate your complaint, try to write it from the perspective of like, I know this is really hard. I hope this makes it easier. I'm not complaining. It's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. Um, but I noticed that this is a pain point and I wonder if we could do it this way. You know, that's one of the things that I learned was don't just complain, offer a solution, say, here's a problem to be solved. Here's what I think is, could be a solution. Would you like to try this out? You know, and I had much better reception when it came to that, you know, it was, it was just much better, but holy wow, we had to really cobble so many things together. And there was like, like you said, there was packets, like there was a teacher who, yes. She had this whole entire curriculum and it just did not exist in a digital format at all. Like, you know, she'd been using it for so many years because it's a really good resource. And so I volunteered. That was like my way of like being a parent volunteer. I volunteered to scan in all of the sheets into PDF. And then I actually used Google, Google Slides to make it a fillable Mm -hmm. form so then you know it, it took me like through like the first quarter or something but then once I got done then the kids could just click it and click the answers and type their answers in because I made boxes I made like a template yeah. and I just you know kept 
duplicating that the whole thing. But it was like, man, that took a long time just to digitize the things. So I only yes. have a tiny taste of it from what you guys had to do. So hats off to you. <laughs> yes. So uh, so Canvas was a tool that, that got yes. implemented and kind of like came out and then sort of went away and now it's back again. And that's something that you kind of have to jump back in again. So it'll be interesting after not using it for a while to see what changes they actually have implemented, huh? Yeah, it will. What is a, can you think of another tool that, that uh, got implemented that, that you're happy to see or that you were happy to see go? Another technology tool. Honestly, there weren't really a lot of technology uh, platforms that we use except Canvas. We were originally going to use the uh, video classrooms through Canvas, and apparently our district didn't purchase that feature. So right at the end, we had to scramble and connect it to Google Classroom. So that was a big learning curve. We've actually used more technology this school year. This past school year, we started doing... Um, students recording the morning announcements and we typically allow fifth grade students to do that so they enjoy doing that so we started incorporating more technology with the students to be able to use which was nice and one positive that i had told my mom before about virtual was the students have learned how to use the technology the correct way because we all know they're playing fortnite and using tiktok and instagram and it always cracked me up because the students, when we were they were, when we were virtual, they would never want to put their face on camera. I'm so shy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yet you make YouTube videos, TikTok videos, right. Snapchats, and Instagrams, but you can't do that. And they were blown. I knew all those terms because you know I'm a teacher. I'm not supposed to know any of that <laughs> stuff. You live in a closet somewhere, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Well, they whenever just let they let you say, out to teach. Yeah. Whenever they say, "Oh, do you have a TikTok?" and I say, "Yeah, I do," and I point huh. to my watch, but. You know, just to get on their nerves. <laughs> but yeah, one good thing was they had learned how to use technology the correct way and how to save documents and send attachments and send emails and stuff like that. So that was good. Yeah, because there's a lot of uh, little people in my in my age group that still don't know how to properly compose an email. They'll like leave the subject line blank. Or <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure there's there's always some in my school who hit reply all when you don't have to. And I'm uh -huh. still dealing with that uh -huh. today. I'm like I. You, you could have sent that to the individual person, not right. reply all, but okay. You know. My husband, <laughs> his favorite is when they send the entirety of their message in the subject line. There's no body. I'll get that once in a while. <laughs> just, just yep. The whole subject line. He's like, Students will do that because they get yeah. a little confused. Yeah. 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 They don't realize how many fields there are to, to click through. Right. Yeah. So Shane, do you think that if uh, COVID came back, with a vengeance or any other kind of, I don't know, something other than virus, COVID, yeah. yeah, virus or something that caused schools to shut down and you had to go back to virtual. Do you think that the school district has learned from its experience and would be able to put something together much more quickly? So I really hope so. Because like I said, all the middle school and high school students will be given a Chromebook and we're almost there for elementary. So I do think if something were to happen that we would be able to quickly transition. But the problem is fourth grade and below won't have Canvas set up. So they'll have to scramble and get that set up. And whether they have enough 
memberships or whatever is needed for those teachers to set up a canvas or they have to pay another fee. I don't know. But um, I just felt like my district was very behind with the virtual. It took us longer than surrounding districts to kind of learn. And I really don't know why. I'm not sure where the disconnect was. Unless it, it was a financial issue. It could have been financial. It could have been because we are more rural and internet is tougher to get. And I've told people that and they're still shocked. We're in 2022 and you don't have internet. I said, have you been to, there's more cows than people? Not really, but um, we're just very rural and internet doesn't go there. Wires don't go there and it's super expensive to get that. So, um, Has any of that changed? Has the broadband improved so, at all? Is there any infrastructure yet? I think there are talks with Verizon Fios to try to come over here, which would be great because when I lived in a little bit more uh, populous area in Virginia for a year, I had Verizon Fios and their customer service was terrible, but the internet was actually really good. And I'm sure you all know it's very hard to hear someone say, I love my cable internet provider because it just doesn't happen. But Mm -hmm. Verizon Fios internet was really good service. So I'm hoping eventually we'll get there. Out here, I mean, you know, we're not necessarily rural, but I mean, it is a desert and there right. are some, there are some what you would consider rural area areas. So what they've done as a way to combat that whole, bro- like, you know, how there's like food deserts, like you can live in a really populous place, but there's a food desert because there's not enough good nutritional food around. There's only just fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like that in some pockets of areas where it's like a broadband desert in the desert And so what they've done to combat that a little bit is they've allowed businesses that are on, say, like a strip, like if there are, you know, fast food restaurants, hotel chains, um, you know, any kind of business that has a place where people can go, they've made it so that they've installed routers or whatever have you, but that Wi-Fi is available for kids to come in and they don't have to be a patron. Like if you're a student, you can go in. I mean, most, of course, they're smart. Like they know kids are going to go in and buy French fries, right? They, they know yeah. they're going to want to go and get food where it's there and they're going to snack. And so that's what's become kind of a congregate hangout. But it's partly because that's where they can go. It's almost like a, in a way, it's kind of like a little bit of a, <clears throat> excuse me, like an after school program where the kids can go with their Chromebooks and the Wi-Fi is free and they don't have to buy something to go and sit at a table and do their schoolwork. So mm-hmm. that's been kind of, a, if you can call it a solution to having these glut these gluts where there aren't any broadband available for residents, but the businesses have them. So I, I wonder, is is that something that you think could happen in your area? Um, I do believe that our school had buses where they would go to certain locations and the bus had hotspots. So you could, I don't remember how exactly it worked, but I think you could sit in your car and do, yeah, mobile hotspot. So kids could kind of go to a central location and get internet. Um, I guess they must be relying on some kind of a satellite technology then versus wires that go underground or over overhead. Right. Yeah. I mean, I heard your story, Melissa, across the country during COVID, where, like you said, there were areas in the country where people either didn't have it or they couldn't afford broadband. So they would go to McDonald's or the mall or somewhere and free of charge, they could do their homework. Or cable companies like Spectrum or Comcast would give these people free hotspots or free broadband during the school year so at least they could do their homework. Yeah, and despite that being available, I mean that that helped in those in those situations. What 
the problem still was that with kids being home and their parents not having childcare, then in my husband's situation, like his high schoolers, he saw a lot of times where the high schoolers were then the childcare. So they're attending oh. school virtually while they're watching their little brothers and sisters so that their parents can go work. So that was that was difficult, you know. So a lot of times, you know, they started out big and grandiose, like, oh, you know, you know, kids are gonna attend virtually and you have to have your camera on in order to get credit. You have to have your camera on. We yeah. have to be able to see your face. And yeah, that didn't last long at all. I mean, yeah. I liked it because for my kids, like I wanted them to be on camera. I wanted them to be held accountable. I wanted them to attend the class. But with especially and my little one always did. He was very, very good and he got he got good grades. But then there was like situations where things like physical education, you know, the the teacher would basically cut the virtual students loose. Like, okay, you checked in, you know, he'd get like maybe 15 minutes with the teacher and they'd kind of go over the, their lesson. But then, then he was on his own and, you know, he just wasn't that motivated to continue with that kind of stuff. I mean, luckily it was physical education, but still, I mean, that's important. I, I would have liked to have him. I would liked him to have gotten those social skills with like playing volleyball and basketball and like, you know, some of the things learning team building and stuff. It was, that's interesting. I, I'll answer my own question as, as something that um, a practice that was implemented that changed and made things for the better is I will be honest. I didn't value physical education before the, before the pandemic. I was always like with my kids, like, so you got to see in PE big whoop. You know, it just wasn't that, high on the priority list for me because so many other things I felt were more important. And I always just kind of wrote physical education off, but I don't write it off so much anymore. I, I value physical education now that it's it's very necessary for the kids to learn coordination and social skills and team building and problem solving in a physical way because you have these kids now who are only, you know, this was during during the height of the pandemic, who are learning in place at home and they're not interacting with any other kids. They're not learning about their bodies. They're not learning where their arms go, where their hands go, where their feet go. They're not learning about the space around them. They're not coordinating with other kids. They're just sitting. They're learning where their where their fingers go on the keyboard, and they can game a lot better now. You know, they're learning about interfacing with the technology, but they're they're then losing the interfacing that needs to happen with each other. So that was a, a sad thing, you know, to see being lost for so long. Now that my, see, now my kids have only been back for one semester. So now they're going to, you know, start their, their new school year and they're going to be there the whole year. Hopefully, you know, things stay the way that they've been going. We had been for this last year in, in a better place. Our numbers were down. They've started going up over the summer, which is like kind of like your guys' winter. Like here, it's it's just oppositeville here. Everything, everybody goes inside. We all estivate. <laughs> we all go inside and we close the doors and the windows and we keep the air conditioning on. And then, of course, right, our numbers go up. Yeah. So it's just like your winter, only opposite. Uh, so it makes sense that, you know, unfortunately, sadly, but it's kind of predictable now that, that our numbers are going up. But, um, you know, Knockwood, they, they did really well throughout the school year. My kids, you know, they kept their masks on. They, they were more aware of, you know, not getting too close to, to kids. Now, as the older they get, like I, my son would tell me stories about sharing. <laughs> here's, a, here's a geeky thing. So he told me that him and a friend were, they had their masks on, but they were sharing uh, a headphone. Like they would take the one, because kids do gross things. That's just how it is, right? Oh, uh, yes. One would take the, the earbud out of their ear and put it in the other kid's ear. And they, they'd be sitting there next to each other listening to 
a shared iPhone listening to music with one one ear pod in one ear and one in the other and the other kid, right? So they're like close to each other. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I can think of grosser things for kids to do at that age. So I guess I'll consider myself lucky. But that was a little like, oh, that's a little close for comfort. But they're kids, you know, they're teenagers. And that's that's what they do. And so now my son just got a pair of AirPods for his birthday. Somebody gifted him, you know, luckily. So now he has those. I'm like, okay, good. Now now you can do share play. <laughs> you can do shared audio. I'm a little bit more relieved with that. So now, of course, they'll find some other way to, like, touch each other and, you know, but Shane, share germs. that begs the question of certain kind of uh, sanitation protocols. Yes. Do you yes, still I'm- have the hand sanitizer? Do kids come to school in masks at all if they feel sick or somebody in their family is sick? Do you still have dividers between the desks? Yeah, or what's is, the space like? Or is everything just the way it was prior to COVID? That's a great question. So when we started having students back in person, that was around March of 2021. So two school years ago. Uh, we had an, a, a gold group and a blue group because those are our high school colors. And gold group came, one of the groups came Monday, Thursday. The other group came Tuesday, Friday. And I thought it was going to be Monday, Tuesday, one group, Thursday, Friday, the other. But it actually works out well having Monday, Thursday, and Tuesday, Friday because you could teach the same lesson two days in a row. I forget the reasoning now, but it, it worked out well. And then Wednesday was the quote unquote deep cleaning day. I put it on oh, quotes okay. because... I wondered, okay, so what happened on Wednesday? Okay, that explains that. Yeah, Wednesday that, was that virtual learning. Nightmare. Wow. Well, Wednesday was, um, we had meetings, teachers did, and we could uh, get on Google, meet with the kids and say, hey, here's how you do X, Y, Z. But I say, quote, unquote, deep cleaning, because I remember the custodians told me one day, we're going to do deep cleaning every room. I'm like, okay, what was it? They had a, like a paint gun sprayer. They sprayed Clorox on the table, then left. I'm like, Oh, my version of deep cleaning is much different than yours, but okay. Um, yeah, yeah, we all have different but, uh, ideas of what clean and sanitary exactly. really is. And of course, at that time, every student was required to wear a mask. I had no more than 14 or 15 kids in my room, um, and there was a lot less students in school. And then there were students who chose the virtual route, and it was probably 60% chose virtual, 40% chose in-person. Because the way it was laid out, it seemed like more instruction if you were virtual. So I think that's why a lot of students chose virtual. A lot of parents chose virtual for their students. So we kept the students in our classroom the entire day. They didn't switch classes. Yeah, of course, they went to the cafeteria for lunch. Yeah, they went outside for recess, and they were supposed to kind of stay away from each other. But that's impossible to do. Um, And then the next school year started. We were optional masks for two days, and then our governor said required masks, and parents were not happy, but the students were required to mask. We were required to mask until about, I think it was around February of 2022, we had a new governor, and he said masks are optional for students, required for teachers. Hmm. And most teachers were unhappy. I was like, whatever. And at the time... Many students masked, a few did not. And then as every day went on, you saw less and less students masking. And then I think it was right before spring break, teachers were masks were optional. And I stayed masked up until spring break. 
I went on vacation, I masked during vacation, and then towards the end of vacation, I stopped masking, and then lo and behold, I got sick. Luckily, it was just laryngitis, not with COVID, um, but I stopped wearing a mask, and uh, I'd say maybe four or five students in a, in a class wear a mask, not much. And the good part is we were the mask police as well when it was required. Put your mask up, cover your nose. And I was excited that it was optional for that reason, because it was just another thing we yeah. had to remember. That's got to be exhausting. It, just oh, it, sap, was. it must sap the life out of your day to have to constantly be saying that. Yeah, it's awful. And then you'd have a couple students who would wear the fishnet mask because oh, their parents no. didn't like the mask policy. And we'd say, hey, you cannot wear that. Here's uh, a disposable. Aye, so aye, aye. It, was, it was fun. But yeah, as of now, very few students in my distri- district mask, very few teachers. It's just whatever you're comfortable with. And I don't see us changing that policy anytime soon unless, of course, something drastic happens and it gets worse. So how do you feel in your classroom? Do you feel safe? Do you feel safe? Do you feel like there's enough distance to not have to wear a mask? Do you feel like you can you keep yourself distance or do you like walk around in between the, the desks or like has okay. your... Has your mm-hmm. teaching practices changed because of distancing? Right. My mom also asked about the dividers and stuff. Yeah. Um, this past school year, we didn't have to have di- – try to remember now. I didn't use dividers at all this school year. The previous school year, when very few students were in person, we had dividers. And it's funny because there was a little oval hole on each side. I'm like, oh, okay, COVID won't yeah. travel through that hole. Right. But – um. We didn't, I switched this year every four, every, we had four blocks of students. So after every block, I'd give wipes to a couple of students and tell them what the tables. I have tables instead of desks and Uh I sat four to a table, one on each end. Uh, It's about a six foot table and then one in the middle, one in the middle. So they were about three feet apart from each other. Um, and then, like I said, they, the kids would volunteer to wipe the tables. They love helping with cleaning at school. I know at home, you tell them to clean, they won't. But at school, it's a right. different thing because it's like, oh, I don't have to do schoolwork. I can clean. Sure, I'll do that. Um, right. Yeah. You you teachers, you do not get our kids. You get your kids. <laughs> our kids exactly. leave the house and they become your kids. And they're just a totally different personality. And sometimes it's I wish different. I got that kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... They also told the teachers that we weren't supposed to do small groups and you're supposed to stand very far away from the student if you had to help them. And we're all like, even if you're afraid of COVID, that's impossible to do. You have to get close to a student. So I never really got nervous. I did try double masking the first day that student masking was optional Uh and it was so darn hot. And And you have to project your voice through all that. Yeah, they did give us a voice amplifier. Really? I oh. use that some days and then they want to, to return it. And I told the lady, I said, I'm not returning this. No one wants, yeah, you know, my, <laughs> regardless of COVID or not, if my right. mouth was all over it, no one right. wants that. Yeah, so that doesn't make any sense. I didn't use it very much this year. The day I had laryngitis pretty bad, I used it because my voice was awful. And the teachers were like, yeah. go home, get right. checked. Like I sounded awful. <laughs> yeah, laryngitis is um, like got to be the worst thing to have when you're a teacher. You have yeah, to talk. well, when I went to the doctor that day, she's like, why were you at school today? I was like, because I'm stubborn and I never take days off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I haven't really, and I'm, I'm vaxxed and boosted and I just discovered that I can get the second booster. So I'll get that when I go home too, mm-hmm. just because 
it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel like I'm doing my part. Um, so I've never really worried about being close to students because some of the students are huggers. And mm-hmm. at first I was like, eh, but now I'm like, the kid needs a hug. They need a hug, you know? Yeah. Um, Hugging is the thing I miss the most because I'm a hugger. I miss, <laughs> I miss handshakes. I miss high yeah. fives. Yeah. Um, you know, men, we, we shake hands and that's now it's more like, Hey, how's it going? And yeah. sometimes a fist bump. And I haven't done many high fives with the students either, but I miss that too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we just make sure that normally before COVID, I would wipe the desks once a week. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, and even after each class, it's a crazy how dirty it is. I use whiteboards and markers a lot with math. So there's a lot of black residue from the expo, market, right. you know, so it gets filthy after each block. And it's just eye opening to see how dirty it can get in one hour. Oh, yeah, um, I think I don't know if it's just because I've volu- you know, I, I've worked in schools and I have volunteered in school. So I'm just and it's mostly been, it's it's all been at the elementary level. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. just from that perspective, there's so much dirt <laughs> and there's just and there's so much there's no end of germs. You know, little kids are like little kids. And they yeah. come up to you, and especially the younger they are, they're always like, you know, when I was when I was working and volunteering, like, Mrs. Davis, Mrs. Davis, look at my loose tooth. And they go and like show me their little tooth that popped out. Meanwhile, there'd be spit, you know, like I could feel their spittle on me, you know. So it's like yeah. you can't tell me that COVID germs are not transferring from little kids. Come on, they're bringing it from home where yeah. the adults are getting it, and they're the carriers, and they're the cutest little carriers ever. You know, they're adorable little germ bombs, but, you yeah. know, that's the reality is just the so thing you got to deal up with. Until a, up until about February of this year, we were super strict about COVID contact tracing. We hired a handful of contact tracers who would make the phone calls and say, hey, X tested positive. Mm-hmm. Is your seating chart up to date? We had to upload our seating charts into mm-hmm. Power School. And that was another thing that we never had to do before. And mm-hmm. we get a phone call or a text from this contact tracer saying, hey, were the people around them, especially when masks were optional, were they masked? Were they not? Oh, um, my gosh. And you have to keep track of all that stuff. It's like oh my so gosh. many data points. that It's hard that to remember because you, you don't have make so notes. much on your plate. And, and you're doing this all by yourself without yeah. a classroom aid, I assume. Correct. I mean, can you um, imagine there there used to be a time when there were classroom aides? I mean, I remember when I when I was still working. They have that in the lower grades. But yeah, in the lower grades, as yeah. much. But there's just so much to juggle. So much. But the one juggle. good part was when we were all required to mask. It was the question was was this person good at wearing their mask or was it always under their nose? Uh-huh. And that was easier yeah. to tell because you always had the same students who you never had to talk about the mask, and then mm-hmm. yes, students were pulled up, pulled up. Um, mm-hmm. And then when the mask became optional, it's like contact tracing just stopped. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we'd have a kid out, and then all of a sudden, in power school would say, quarantined, and we would never be told. But mm-hmm. we also, another burden we had was the previous week, we had to make a quarantine packet for the following week. Mm-hmm. And to try to, and I'm the team leader in my grade, so I'd always have to tell the other three, hey, do you have science work for me, social studies work, reading work, I'm the math teacher. And it was just another thing. And mm-hmm. We never, we weren't allowed to grade that work. So they could hmm. turn it in and we could look at it, but we weren't allowed to put the grade in power school. So it was like the teachers were doing work kind of for nothing. Hmm. And then we had times where over half of the class would be gone because of quarantine, because so many students were exposed to the one student who was positive. Right. So we'd have to separate those five students into classes. And 
It was a lot. So that kind of stopped around February or March when uh, restrictions started to lessen. So that was kind of nice in a way. (laughs) What about your indoor air quality? Did you notice any new technology being installed Uh, as far as that goes? So I didn't notice it, but I know they passed some sort of special $750,000 air filtration thing. And I believe it was installed into every, I don't know if it's every classroom or if every school had, but my school is very old, 1964, I think, or 54, something like that. Mm-hmm. And some days the air works, some days the air doesn't. Right. And yep. Honeywell is there all the time fixing it. So I don't know how well the air filtration and I'm not saying they didn't do a good job installing it. I just think because my school is older, that might have a factor into it. So I never really noticed a difference, but I know something was installed for uh, a pair of keys of mine. Yeah, we have windows. Are you allowed um, to open them? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, See, here they don't. They either just don't have windows because of the way the school's designed, uh, or the windows are like affixed. They're they're not meant, they don't even have the mechanism to open. They're just for gotcha. sunlight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, for us, it's because of the heat. It's because of Absolutely. it's all about the HVAC. You know what I mean? It's all about keeping the schools cool. So mm-hmm. opening the windows was not conducive to keeping the schools cool. And so yeah. but it's also very conducive to germs. So, yeah. yeah. And not just COVID germs, any germs, you know, any you, germ. get, you get any kind of outbreak of, of anything. Any Anything can turn into a small outbreak, you Absolutely. know, when there's enough of it flying around. So, yep. Yeah. Um, anything that you uh, did in particular with masking technology? Did you did you wear cloth masks like the kind that you can just that are just sewn and washed, or did you invest in any kind like like I like in particular I like Vogue mask. I just feel like they fit the best. They give the best you know seal for a cloth mask, um, and they're you know they're not washable, but you can change them out every three to six months or so, and and wipe them down. But I like the fact that they kind of. When they sit on your nose, they stay far enough away from your mouth that you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's not constantly touching your face. I mean, I, I've gone back to work and I've worked with clients, so I know what it feels like to work for, you know, four to six hours straight in a mask. You know, like you get to your car and you're like, oh, you know, you finally get to take it off and then there's like sweat running down and everything. And it's like, oh, I didn't have to do that half of my my face with my makeup, <laughs> which is kind of nice. But, um, you know, mask knee and just, you know, the sweat oh, yes. and the heat. But I just just abhor the idea of like having to talk through it all day long. So was there any kind of technology that, you know, you you mentioned a a voice amplifier. amplifier. Was that like a microphone that they had you clipped to it? Did it go inside the mask? What was that like? So I started by wearing cloth mask and I had a a bunch of cool math sayings and stuff that I found. Uh Um, And I had some friends have a cricket machine and make it for me. And my mom made me some masks. And I wore those for a while. And then I ended up wearing disposable uh, most of last school year because statistics show that disposable were safer than cloth. So I transitioned to disposable. Um, And so the voice amplifier was just a little battery pack that you clip to your – actually, no, I didn't clip it. I wore it around my neck. Okay. And it was just a little microphone. And I didn't put it underneath the mask. I put it right – Mm-hmm. Um, over the mask mm-hmm. and the one bad and then the volumes right here on my chest so I could easily if it was too loud too quiet but sometimes if my hand was there it would squeak so I had to learn <laughs> that and I didn't use it very much just because my voice is very loud 
But if there were days where I was tired and I just didn't want to project my loud voice, I would use it. And then I know there were teachers who used it every day. So it wasn't required. It was just, you know, and I wanted to keep it this past school year just for days, like I said, when I'm tired or don't want to project the loud voice. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I I know that that's just. That's something that just over, you know, gets tiresome after a while, having to yeah, project so many hours out of the yeah, day. Yeah, because I, I naturally have a loud voice, so. I think um, you have to as a teacher. <laughs> I think you well, just, yeah. you know, naturally learn that you must project your voice. You must enunciate clearly. That's why I get yeah. so frustrated with my husband, because I think he just, he runs out of words and he runs out of steam by the time he comes home. I'm like, you stand uh-huh. in front of your classroom all day long and you're, you know, yelling, practically yelling at the kids to project your voice. And you come home and he's like, he's so quiet. And, oh, <laughs> Yeah. But I realized what, what causes it. So, yeah, yeah, I just wondered if there was any kind of technology that you implemented to to deal with that. Yeah. So. Nothing but the voice amplifier. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. So, yeah, it sounds like, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of uh, new things that had to be learned. And it sounds like there's a lot of improvements because of it. I mean, you know, I can't think of anything that I mean, it's, aside from like you were talking about, you know, you missed the, the high fives handshakes and things like the physical contact is detrimental that, that that's kind of gone by the wayside but it sounds like you found other ways to kind of have the same effect without having to actually high five kids well even before covid i always stand at my door every morning and i say good morning name as i walk in and i require them to say good morning or hello they don't have to say good morning mr Pasella, but just say mm-hmm. hello acknowledge yeah me. exactly and there are always students who head down walk by i'm like come here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good, so, good. and then they get used to it that's, that's a big exactly because i'm not because there's so many teachers who sit at their desk doing their work when the when the students come in i'm like no mm-hmm. i'm always busy obviously but mm-hmm. I'm going to take 20 minutes out of my day to stand there you and welcome the students. It. So you can do that, obviously, contact free. Just say hello. And uh, yeah. that's an extremely important part of the day. And I've gotten the other fifth grade teachers to do the same thing. And they really like it because everyone has stuff going on. But it's so easy to come in and say good morning to someone. That's so easy. It starts so, the day on a positive note. Exactly. Because sure. there will be times the child will come in upset something happened on the bus something happened at home and you'll try to and typically when you start the day with good morning they'll just open up right away i'm really upset because blah 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 and sometimes that leads to me finding out a bus situation that wasn't handled and then i have to contact the principal and say hey i was just told xyz happened on bus 13 so sometimes that's the negative side of it but it's also the positive because they can they can trust you because they know that you're you're going to start your day with the good morning to them um, oh, yeah. kudos to schools and teachers, because, man, this is where the ingenuity is. This is where it happens. This is where everybody's got to think on their feet. They've got to think outside the oh, box. Yeah. They've got to be creative. It's like you can pretty much take anything that's thrown at you and turn it into something productive. And I think that that's just that's just wonderful. We should be that alone is why we should be funding our schools better. We should be paying <laughs> teachers higher because, I mean, this is really, really hard work. It's fun work. It's hard work. It's important. It's critical. It's it's about, you know, keeping keeping our economy going. So, and also, yeah. so hats off sadly, we will put this in the show notes, but teachers can't afford some school supplies. So we were going to put 
Shane's Amazon wish list in the show notes if anybody is so inclined to look at his wish list and donate pencils or crayons or markers or paper or whatever it is that you can afford, he would greatly appreciate it. But it's really sad. I see that on Twitter a lot lately. Teachers have been putting out their wish list, their link to their Amazon wish list, because they just can't, the school districts aren't giving them enough money to get school supplies. Yep, that's that's how it so is. And it's all school over. Supplies. As a teacher, I will tell you the best school supplies. Ticonderoga pencils. Yes, oh, you yeah. are going to pay more, but they are worth it. Expo markers. Yes, you're going to pay more, but they last. So those two items are on my list because I use lots of Expo markers and students go through lots of pencils. So any help would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. So with that, we're going to wrap up because Shane being Shane, when he's home, he's not really home. It's just a pit stop in between (laughs) visiting friends. And I know he's heading out soon to visit some more friends and his brothers. So thank you, Shane, really appreciate for taking you some time out time. and spending time with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> You're and your welcome. mom's I, friend. I love, <laughs> I love talking about school. I love oh, that's doing great. that. It's fun. We love asking you. <laughs> so Melissa, Anytime. thanks Shane. So Melissa, if people want to get in touch with us, if they want to, I don't know, any feedback or they have some questions of Shane, how would they go about getting in touch with us? We have a variety of ways. You can email us if you're old school like that. Our email address is podcast at geekiestshowever.com. You can also tweet at us, and we are at Geekiest Show. We have a website, geekiestshowever.com, from which there is a contact page you can click on. And uh, you want to give us some other Twitter handles, including sure. does, does Mr. Yeah, Pacelli want to be followed? If they want to get in touch with me, it's Elisa Pacelli1. If they want to get in touch with Melissa, it's at the Mac Mommy. Also, www.themacmommy.com for all things Melissa. And Shane, if anyone wants to reach you. Uh, my Twitter is Pacelli underscore Shane. Okay, great. Thanks. Again, thank you to Shane for joining us today. We will see all of you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much for listening. And until then, please stay safe.